welcome back to another Cardinals Off Day podcast. We're here in the off season with one of our periodic podcasts, but this is one of our, our favorite ones to do in the off season. Uh, and, and wish you all a merry Zipsmas. Although we're a little farther from Christmas than we have been some years, uh, but Ben and I are uh, very excited to have uh, Dan Zimborski here with us on the podcast today to talk about uh, his Zips pre- projections. So, Dan, thank you again so much for being with us. Thanks for having me on, Ben's. <laughs> yeah, we, we always look forward to this. It's always a, a treat to have you on. Um, and I think we should probably just get right to it. Um, obviously, the Cardinals are coming off, you know, one of their worst seasons in decades. And uh, when we had our very special Zipsmas episode last winter, uh, we were pretty happy because Zips was pretty uh, good for the Cardinals. It thought they would be pretty good. Um, And obviously the season didn't turn out that well. So, you know, when you look at the Cardinals, you know, and how they fared in 2023, you know, what, how did that relate to what Zips saw as, you know, kind of some of the strengths and weaknesses of the team going into the season? Well, the the offense, the the projections weren't notably bad compared to uh, reality or were the way around it was really just the pitching that just kind of really uh, i guess you can't really surprise a projection system because that's not how computers work but <laughs> generally speaking uh the only picture whose faith in uh who, who zips had faith in and was repaid was was jordan montgomery who zips was always a fan of but generally speaking it was a pretty large case of underperforming some of the fill-ins were just disasters uh, I, I think Zip, this, Zips is finally going to sour a little on, on Matthew Liberatore. Uh, <laughs> but I, I'd like to say I can, you know, say this is why they won 71 games. And I don't have a great answer. It's just they were awful. I mean, that's that's kind of a, a, a very simplistic answer and not a lot of insights needed for that. But sometimes things just suck. Yeah. <laughs> well, and yeah, it, you know, it, it, go ahead. Oh, ben. go ahead, Ben. Well, I, I was just going to say, uh, you know, I, I always appreciate seeing your eighty uh, percent or seeing the eighty percent and twenty percent projections, um, like we have this year. And uh, last year was definitely a twenty percent year, kind of team wide, just about it seemed like. Yeah, I think uh, offhand it was like the eleventh or twelfth percentile where it was possible. And really, oh. I mean. Uh, one in 10 or one in nine. I mean, that's the the probability of a Barry Bonds hitting a home run in any given plate appearance. And no one's absolutely shocked by that. But the Cardinals always kind of had a way to just muddle through and win 88 games. And this was kind of the year that whole paradigm fell apart. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ben, go ahead. Oh, and I was just going to, I was just going to say that with the 80 versus 20 and, and I, would be willing to bet like with a player like Adam Wainwright, it was uh, even below 20 or 11 or 12 and down into the single digits for, you know, compared to what uh, the forecast saw as being possible. And, uh, you know, maybe even something similar for Miles Michaelis in terms of ERA. So it was, it was just a rough season. Um, And, you know, sometimes those happen. So uh, looking now to this season's Zips projections for 2024, um, I I wanted to ask you, 
uh, with respect to, you know, Zips does defensive projections. And the Cardinals have a couple of versatile defenders in Tommy Edmond and Brandon Donovan. And, or Brendan Donovan, excuse me. And I was wondering, you know, when Zips does a forecast for a player's, you know, fielding and then, of course, their wins above replacement, how, how do you approach a player that you have a pretty good idea is going to play multiple positions? Well, generally speaking, uh, I'm usually focused on kind of the interpretive ability of, of people to have and looking at the projections and saying, what, what do they mean? Uh, so Zips will project individual players at individual positions uh, simply because it's easier for someone to say, like, like look at the Brendan Donovan uh, projection. It actually has him as a second baseman. And even if he wasn't going to be a second baseman at all, not play a single game at second base, uh, you look at the projection, you see second base, and you know what that means, what that projection is, uh, as opposed to if projections were kind of a combination of a bunch of injuries that is kind of opaque and you kind of have to guess, okay, what's Zimborski assuming here? I think it's usually it's makes it more meaningful just to have the projection be a one position projection. And then people can look at that and extrapolate out from there. Oh, that's interesting. Well, you know, as long as we're diving into individual players and, uh, and defense as well, um, <laughs> you know, one player that I think myself and most Cardinal fans are fascinated by is uh, Jordan Walker. Um, and I was just, I was a little curious about, him just in terms of, you know, he had, I, I had to be just historically one of the worst defensive seasons of all time last year. And um, you, you've got him uh, projected for, uh, 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 you know, minus eight in the uh, defensive uh, category there. I, I'm just curious, you know, with the limited amount of time he's had out there, um, I, I guess I, he almost seems like there might not, there must not be many comps, I guess is kind of what I'm getting at for a season that bad. And, and Dan, I think what I'm really doing is I'm asking for you to give us some hope that there's any defensive value there at all. <laughs> well, 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 generally speaking, defense, even good defensive measures are incredibly volatile. Yeah. So we know how he played last year in 900 whatever innings, uh, but our confidence in that should be pretty low uh, because a lot of times when people see something they expect to happen, then they don't necessarily st- on a, on a, on a basic level, think about it as still a small sample size issue. Uh, mm-hmm. It's the same as if he'd been plus 12, it, it's, it's no more sure just because you expect something to happen. Uh, and I, I don't think that anyone thought he was going to be a plus in the outfield going into the season, but I'm not sure that it was really expected that he was going to be as lousy as he actually turned out to be. I mean, it was, it was pretty brutal. Yeah, uh, but we do have some uncertainty of just how lousy he is like going forward. Uh, so zips as projections do, because they try to be the, as accurate as they could be is kind of, you know, saying, okay, we're not, we know he's lousy. We don't know how lousy. And it comes out to, I think you, you it was negative eight. You said, yeah. I, yeah. I, I have to pull it up. Uh, I, I think that's, that's probably what I would guess simply because of the uncertainty involved. Yeah. Well, and I I just wonder if you could also just talk a little bit about, um, you know, in this, you know, most recent iteration of Zips here, what it's looking at 
defensively because I think especially with with Walker something that's just uh, unique about him um, you know from kind of a more stack cast perspective you know he has a his arm rates very well and his just kind of running speed is you know pretty good so he's got a couple of these like component elements that can lead to good defense but then you know the actual uh, you know what, what happens when he's out there is you know is kind of a disaster. Uh, generally speaking, Zips will look at like the individual components, range, error proneness, arm, uh, because they, they tend to age and develop differently. Uh, players tend to become less error prone as they age, but also less rangy as they age, uh, so to speak. And Zips, uh, because of the uncertainty of defense, tries to, I guess, I don't know, it's probably not the right word, cheat, but it looks at what a player did elsewhere to kind of get an idea for example when it's projecting a player who has very little time in the center it cares a lot more about speed sprint speed stats simply because that's kind of a way to cheat out what a what the potential is obviously that's not a perfect correlation even remotely uh we can all talk about alex sanchez who was a fast player who was an absolutely abom abomination in the center uh but when zips looks at jordan walker uh it it, it thinks that his error, he'll, he'll make fewer errors. I mean, errors aren't really a big deal for an outfielder, but, you know, it's a couple extra plays uh, and it's usually an important play. Uh, and the range we're unsure about, so Zips will kind of regress that towards zero. Uh, and we do have minor league data. One thing Zips does is I have the game logs and the location of every ball hit uh, in every minor league game. And I kind of construct a probabilistic model about defense and his minor league defense didn't rate highly either uh, anywhere, but not quite yeah. at this level of terrible. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. That, that doesn't make me feel much better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but in the long run, uh, the thing is, if it turns out like he's just terrible this year and you need to get him off out of the field. At least, I mean, there is a DH now, so you yeah. will be able to hide him eventually. And that that kind of helps his his viability long term in St. Louis, um, since it's even though he's not slated to be the DH this year, at least not primarily, uh, it, it it's retained as an option, so you don't have to kind of you know trade him to an AL team or something. Yeah, um, I, that 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 is something that of all the the decisions that merited criticism i i thought that it was fascinating that the club chose to put walker on the major league roster to start the season and like you just watched him out there he was terrible the data said he was terrible and it just made me wonder like like was the team did the team know he was going to be this bad or did they also misjudge you know just how serviceable he would be out there because it was just it was wild to me that they didn't just take it as an opportunity to send him down to triple a and get some plate appearances but also some innings in the outfield uh just to try to make him you know take to the position a little bit more before exposing him uh, at the major league level so uh that was something that was just kind of confusing to me and still doesn't make a lot of sense. And I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in the front office and the manager's office when they were making that choice. My, 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 um, I, I don't know for sure, simply because 
the exactitude of information I get from teams is is very limited. And, you know, everybody has their own purpose for saying things to a writer who might publish it, even though I'm not really uh, a rumors guy. I tend to think that they were caught by surprise with how lousy he was. I think if they enter the season with serious uh, uh, concerns, I think it's more likely he would have played more left field early on in the season. I think he would have been spotted at DH more early in the season, but I don't think that he even played DH until well into the season at all. And that doesn't really jibe with someone who you think is going to be 13 runs or whatever below average. So I expect they thought he was below average, but they kind of hoped, you know, given how he looked in the spring that they could catch lightning in a bottle and he wouldn't be that bad. Uh, and like a lot of things that had some a reasonable argument for it, it just didn't go that well. Yeah. Well, and as long as we're talking about um, kind of young prospects and, and defense, I was pleasantly surprised to see Mason Wynn's uh, projection overall. Um, I noticed Zip still projected very good defense from him, which, of course, from his minor league track record, we expect as well. But his limited time in the majors last year was was not great defensively. And of course, it was a, a black hole uh, offensively. So I don't know if there's anything about about Wynn's projection or, you know, where what it was seeing that you thought was particularly interesting. Well, that would that would come from the minor league uh, the, the defensive numbers. I don't have those mm-hmm. in front of me, but he was a solid plus in them. And of course, mm-hmm. you'd prefer to have something like uh, stat casts outs above average for the minors, but they haven't put that together, even though I actually think they could. Uh, but so we, we go with what we have. I think it's as good, at least as total zone, which was a similar approach done by Sean Smith, I guess, 15 years ago. Uh, and the, the data has improved. I'd love to have better data, but you have to go with what you have. Uh, Wynn was one of the biggest, uh, uh, had one of the biggest one year projection jumps of, of any player because he actually kind of, um, Zips was unsure about him given how young he was and the levels he was at. It was, it was unsure coming to 2023, but it really liked 2023. He, he did not require, you know, significant adjustment time in AAA. Uh, yeah, offense was high in, in, in AAA, but he had like a 110. WRC plus or something down there. And that's that's really good for a 21 year old shortstop. Um, So zips went from being kind of lukewarm. Wait and see to saying, yeah, yeah. Give me that. Yeah, fantastic. We we love it. We love it. (laughs) Yeah, he's a lot of fun. Um, Speaking of other prospects, and this is kind of a league wide question and also one about a specific Cardinals prospect. Um, Victor Scott, the second, uh, has jumped onto a lot of people's radar because he's just so electric on the base paths and a really good fielder. Um, you know, and I was looking at his stolen base numbers and kind of comparing him to other Cardinals in the league as a whole. And it made me wonder, number one, with the rule changes, how has Zips, uh, you know, kind of, if at all, changed how it looks at stolen bases? And then how do you translate uh, from the minors to the majors, you know, that type of a, of a statistical projection? Uh, well, generally speaking, uh, Zips, when it looks at stolen bases uh, and it's trying to kind of guess on what the offensive environment will be like, it, it weighs recent stolen base data much more important, much, much heavier 
when looking at the league as a whole, simply because something like home runs isn't really a decision, but choosing to steal bases is a decision. And so you expect changes in stolen bases around the league to persist fairly quickly. Uh, so Zips is, is expecting nearly as solid a stolen base environment as it was last year. And Zips, of course, likes Scott to steal a lot of bases. He always got a two-war projection, so I think you take that from, from someone who wasn't counted on to be in the starting lineup or anything this year. Uh, no, I was very pleasantly surprised by that. I It, it increased my... <laughs> Uh, I I think he's going to be fun to watch, and I'm looking forward to it. But that Zips projection definitely jumped off the page to me. Yeah, uh, for him. Obviously, uh, a stolen base counts will usually decline quite a bit in the majors because minor league managers have no issues with letting their whole team run wild at times. Uh, Zips looks at at stolen bases as a percentage of opportunities uh, and has a pretty, pretty big adjustment factor from going from, from double A AA or triple A or any minor league league to the majors. Uh, and, you know, it still has him as a 40 stolen base hitter. If he played full time in the majors in, in 2024, which of course he is not. Yeah. Well, you never know. We'll, we'll hope we'll hope for a, a huge uh, <laughs> spring or something, I guess. Um, I had a question. Actually, I might kind of transition over to the pitching side here a little bit. And and I have a question kind of about a specific player, but also just kind of about a general evolution thing and how that's working out in zips. Um, uh, I'm going to get to Sonny Gray with this question. But um, I the one thing that I, I feel like I've just noticed kind of anecdotally, um, you know, I feel like aging curves for pitchers used to be I don't want to say predictable because nothing about pitchers is predictable, but it seemed to be, you know, basically guys came to the majors with their stuff, you know, it, they did what they could with it. And as they got older, you know, it kind of declined. And I just feel like, you know, now with the kind of work pitchers are doing in, in labs and stuff like that, we're seeing pitchers, uh, you know, who maybe have, you know, a few years of MLB experience suddenly develop a new pitch or change just their approach or their tunneling or whatever and see like a huge jump. Um, and I'm a little curious if, if, if you've had to do anything under the hood with zips in response to that, and maybe my perception's just wrong, but you know what I mean? It seems like I got, and I, this is where I get to Sonny Gray, you know, with his, his sweeper and just some things, you know, I think Sonny Gray now is a different pitcher than he was a few years ago. And so I guess I'm curious both kind of what, what you, you know, Zips thinks about Gray, but also just how you've maybe had to, uh, or if you've had to make any adjustments to that sort of new reality with these, you know, pitch labs and all this. I haven't had to make changes simply because from the start, Zips is very uncertain about pictures. It weighs recent yeah. performance more heavily. Things like sure. walker rate and strikeout rate that that stabilize very quickly. Uh, it's it's there's a lot of recency uh, uh, involved in that. And gotcha. So I uh, so as long as the percentile projections are all working out, that's usually kind of the key to know if if mm-hmm. if the spread projected for each picture or hitter is is uh, accurate or as accurate as 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 one can be. Uh, so as so if you look at the projections, I mean, Zips also believes Sonny Gray is a much better picture than 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 before uh, his time with the Twins. Uh, generally speaking, pictures are kind of weird when you talk about aging hitters age pictures just kind of break. Yeah, uh, yeah that's good. Un- until they get to like 36, 37, 38, there's generally not a lot of great deal of 
of of year on year attrition. Uh, yeah, the start the strikeout rate kind of slowly fades, but a lot of times the big decline is an injury. Uh, again, until you get to you know 37, 38, when you talk about someone who's that old. So uh, I'd be a lot more worried about you know a thirty four year old hitter than a thirty four year old picture. A thirty four year old picture would probably be more or less the same picture at 35 uh, unless you know the, they tear the labrum they tear a, uh, uh, a ligament in their elbow uh, pictures just kind of break so as long as yeah. Sonny Gray is healthy he's not a bad bet to just continue to do what he's done for at least a few more years well I think that's music to the Cardinals front office ears because they pretty much cornered the market on 34 year old starters I think this year so <laughs> they'll be very glad to hear that <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, you look at the, the 2024 ages for the uh, rotation. It's like 24 or 34, or 35, 36, 37, and then whoever kind of gets innings on the back end. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of those uh, older pitchers, uh, I want to talk about uh, Lance Lynn a little bit. Um, the The signing of Lance Lynn you know, coming off a season when he just had um, – he just gave up an absurd amount of home runs. And, you know, the, the Cardinals front office uh, for years have has been more uh, fielding independent pitching or fit-minded than ERA. Um, but, you know, this signing almost made me think if they were more like ex-fit-minded. Um, and, and so, you know, looking at it, you know, Zips does not see uh, anywhere near as bad a season uh, this year. And in fact, it projects him to give up less home runs than Miles Michaelis. Uh, you know, when Zips looks at, at that huge jump in home runs from Lynn, like how does it absorb that? And, and what does it see moving forward for a pitcher who had that type of misfortune? Well, generally speaking, home run rate for pitcher is an absolutely terrible statistic. Uh, XFIP only works because home runs allowed is so volatile. XFIP should not work at all. The fact that it's useful is because like home run per nine, home run per fly ball, home run per batter, that that's all just, it's an abysmal stat and it is a way to mislead, uh, teams into doing things. Uh, I got a lot of people who were very upset, uh, a few years ago, uh, when when the uh, Dodgers signed Andrew Heaney, because he's done, he's allowing so many home runs. But the question is, under the underlying data, are those home runs, you know, earned in a, in a way? And Zips largely saw that they weren't, and that he'd have somewhat of a bounce back season. He did better than that. He did better than anyone had any right to expect in in twenty twenty two. But generally speaking, when you see these blips uh you think of corbin burns that year in milwaukee allowed like what 16 home runs in 60 innings or something or uh or uh trevor bauer uh back in his early days in cleveland when you see these home run spikes they're generally not real unless there's some underlying thing that suggests that like they have a crazy hard hit percentage or or they play in a in an extreme hitters park that's terrible for fly ball hitters uh so Lance Lynn doesn't get a great projection, but the smart money is to bet that his home runs allowed will kind of go to where it usually is. 
Yeah. Well, and, you know, Dan, Ben and I have been kind of just uh, throwing at you some specific players that I think we're particularly, uh, you know, interest, either just interested in uh, generally or who's something in their projection jumped out to us. But I, I'd be curious just to kind of turn it over to you and say when you saw these kind of projections for the Cardinals, was there anything that jumped out and surprised you or any any player? I, I was surprised that Zips was still into Michael McGreevy. Uh, although that just simply so, could so am I. <laughs> it, it's it's weird. Zips really likes one Cardinal starter, Sonny Gray, and it kind of sees them having about six to eight pitchers who otherwise are kind of in the same general area ability wise, which isn't the worst thing in the world because injuries do happen. It's good to have depth. Uh, I mean, Zip sees Tink Hens as being one of those guys already, too. Uh, uh, same with Roby. There's there's a lot of guys who Zip says are somewhere between five and 10 percent below average. And that's pretty much the the bin that all of them fell into, I guess, except for Gray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that was something that I thought was pretty interesting because the you know, the Cardinals at the trade deadline when they were, you know, getting unloading players, they, uh, you know, they said, we are trying to rebuild or replenish our organizational depth on the pitching side. And then when you go and and you look at who they have there, you have uh, Roby, you have Rom, and you have uh, Reversa there. Um you know, Kloffenstein are all kind of in that group where, you know, Zips likes them about as much as Dakota Hudson. And <laughs> yeah, someone uh, can take that as a compliment or an insult, depending on the point of view. Right, exactly. <laughs> but like, you know, you it when you see these projections, you know, I, I was not surprised that Dakota Hudson was non-tendered, but you, you can certainly understand why uh, the Cardinals were, you know, okay, not giving him a contract and paying him at that level when they have all these other players who are, uh, you know, go- conceivably going to be able to put up as good a numbers. Now, some people may say, we don't want pitchers who are going to put up Dakota Hudson type numbers. But I, I think when you take someone who's been in the, you know, who hasn't yet put up uh, a lot of major league numbers and they're already on par with Hudson. You know, I, I think that's interesting depth. You know, there's, there's not a lot that is like a surefire. This guy is going to be good, at least according to zips, but it's nonetheless interesting. Um, with McGreevy, what, what is, you know, you have built it. I, you know, I don't want you to give away any of your secrets, but uh, he is someone who I have, you know, just kind of gradually soured on, and and then here he is, third in in wins above replacement according to Zips. What about McGreevy would Zips like? Is is it the the walk rate? Is it the quality of contact? Like like what does it look at him and see that it likes? Well, a lot of it is simply because of the of the nature of the minor leagues right now. We're in like, like a huge hitters era uh, for AAA and 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 below. I mean, the Pacific Coast League has a long history of, of being uh, a big league, and the International League did not have that same history. But in recent years, 
it, it, whatever's happened down there, it's been a pretty big uh, uh, hitters league. I mean, the International League ERA uh, in 2023 was over five. Uh, that's not the craziest thing for the Pacific Coast League, but when you have a league where the ERA is, is five and runs per game is nearly six per game, uh, surviving that atmosphere is is a pretty good thing for a picture. Now, Zips doesn't think that McGreevy has much in the way of upside, but he didn't get killed in AAA. He kept the ball in the park, generally, and he has good control. And those things are kind of they kind of work together to give a guy a projection that's useful, if not exciting. There's little chance he's ever going to become an ace. Uh, he's not a dominating picture. He's not going to punch out 11 guys a game by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, so where the Cardinals are and with a defense that is projected to be above average in, in 2024, even with Walker in the mix, that's a good combination out in the park too. That's a good, that's a good combination for a picture of McGreevy's talents to just kind of survive. Uh, we've actually seen it, it collapsed in Oakland this year. Oakland is used to be really good at these types of pictures. They could just snap their fingers and random fourth starters, which just materialize in, on command. <laughs> that didn't work at all this year, but Oakland has always been able to just, you know, turn every minor leaguer they had into like Cole Irvin. <laughs> well, uh, and, uh, you know, jumping down to comps, which is always just one of my favorite parts of zips. And, and I don't know if, how statistically maybe meaningful this is to people, but like I, it, it always some light bulbs go on for me when I look at comps and, you know, McGreevy is a good example because uh, I see in his comps, I see Kyle Kendrick and I'm like, okay, like, you know what I mean? Like if I have to, if you're going to force me to imagine a version of Michael McGreevy, <laughs> that's good in the major leagues, I would have said it's not possible, but then you say Kyle Kendrick, it's like, oh, maybe, maybe. So, I mean, that was one that jumped out at me. I don't know, um, you know, Dan, were there any that kind of made you smile when they, when they came up? Well, I haven't had as, as many cruel ones as they usually do. The cruel ones are the <laughs> ones that make me smile. Like, uh, for example, uh, when um, Byron Buxton was a prospect, his top comp for like two years in a row was Carlos Gomez, which seemed like <laughs> it was targeted to annoy Twins fans yeah. who did not have a good opinion of well, well, well not uh, and not. Of, of yeah, not to interrupt, but I, in terms of cruelty, I will point out that one of Matthew Liberatore's comps is Austin Gomber, which I think, given where <laughs> Gomber was departing the organization right about the time that uh, Liberatore was coming in in exchange for Randy Rosarina. So I, personally, that one stings a little bit when I see that. Or or you could think of it as maybe someone is going to give you another Nolan Arenado. For there Matthew you go. <laughs> there so you that's, go. A, that's a positive way to look at it. Uh, I... I Individual comps aren't like super meaningful, unfortunately. Right. When Zips is comparing players to find a large cohort, it's a large cohort. We're talking hundreds and hundreds of guys, uh, but it's fun to kind of comp players to the past, which is why I do the top three. Uh, I don't do more because uh, that would create, would create a lot more work for me simply because we have this player linker on fan graphs to automatically connect these names to player names uh and you have 
usually when I do a zips rundown for a team, they're like 30 guys who are duplicate in the database. And I have to go in and, uh, and, yeah. and correct the URLs for each one of those 30 players. Yeah. Uh, well, so I, that's why we only have three. I mean, I could, I could post, you know, all hundred or something or all 400, all 600, however many uh, I wanted to do, but it, it, it's fun because baseball is a sport that the history is a big part of it. Uh, yeah. It's it's fun to see where history rhymes, uh, and sometimes sometimes um, you 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 go down an interesting pass a path just because you you think of a player you haven't thought of in a long time. Uh, a couple yeah. years ago, I forget who had the comp, but someone had Scipio Spinks, uh, the the Cardinals picture in the early seventies, who had the giant stuffed gorilla that he carried around everywhere. Uh, and it, it's fun to see those stories. Uh, it just doesn't really it doesn't really make the projections better in any way just to know the names. But I like to do things because they're fun and because they amuse me. Oh, I agree. I think they're a lot of fun. Uh, ben, were there any that jumped out at you? Uh, you know, the the sunny gray comps just I was just like I was like Antonio Banderas in Assassins. Um, <laughs> like, just like, oh, yes. Like Jake Arietta, Jake uh, Arietta Jim Palmer, and Daryl Kyle. And I was just like, yes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I was, I have to confess, I was a little bit disappointed uh, for folks who have not been to fan graphs. Uh, if a player has spent time uh, playing in Korea or Japan, their their name will be in English and then it will be in Korean or Japanese. And I was a little bit surprised that Dakota Hudson and Jake Woodford did not have more comps who had names in English and uh, an Asian language, because I feel like that is in their future. Um, I mean, I think that's so where I, Hudson but, will get success. I mean, th there are pictures who have success with low strikeout rates, but he's kind of like a little too like 1940-ish in, in a way. Uh, uh, he, he, he's someone I could see being over there. I think he would do better in Korea than he would in Colorado. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I, I don't was going to say, yeah, I don't think any of us are optimistic about Colorado. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure what the Rockies are thinking because when you play in Coors Field, you don't think, hey, you know who we should sign? <laughs> How about a pitcher who allows a lot of balls into play? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's I, 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 I think it's got to be sinker usage rate, and they feel like they can get him to throw strikes as if anyone's been able to do that. Um, but I, my, my brother lives in Denver, and I uh, sent some fun text messages to him about uh, that signing when it happened, um, and so uh, I got a little bit of a kick out of that. Um, another comp that I. Uh, thought was pretty good was Adam Wainwright and Levon Hernandez. Like I thought that was great. <laughs> I was just like, the, yes, that makes so much sense. Um, and I thought that was really wonderful. Um, you know, you talked a little bit earlier, Dan, about uh, how zips or excuse me about, you know, with aging curves, pitchers break and position players decline and, you know, you probably feel better about a 35-year-old pitcher than a 35-year-old position player. So 
with that in mind, there have been some reports that the Cardinals plan to talk with Paul Goldschmidt about an extension and, and he's getting to the age where, you know, he, he is firmly in his decline phase, even if he did win the most valuable player award in 2022. Um, so, you know, looking out into the future for Paul Goldschmidt, what what would Zips think about an extension uh, for him, uh, you know, that would begin after this year because he's under contract with the Cardinals for the 2024 season? Okay, well, while I'm slowly opening Zips, I will filibuster <laughs> a little. Uh, the th- I mean, the thing we talk about, they have interest in extending uh, Goldschmidt. I think you can kind of assume they're not saying they have – interest in extending him at a very, very high price. Yeah. Uh, the Cardinals are still going to be rather frugal. I mean, not on the level of the rest of the, of the NL central, uh, but they do tend to say they do tend to, they don't get sucked up into bidding wars pretty much. Uh, the, they're a team that uh, I, obviously you guys can dispute this. If you disagree, since you pay more attention to the day by day, uh, chatter i tend to think that the cardinals are one of the team that's most willing to walk away once they kind of feel that a a contract or you know bidding isn't really where they want to be uh but i can i can see a lot to like about uh, a goldschmidt signing the question is is it going to be something like an abreu signing uh when you're talking about modest sums of money because i don't think there's any way that the cardinals don't that the cardinals offer an extension without it being a significantly lower uh, average annual value than it currently is. And that's not a reflection on him as a player. It's just the reality that uh, he's, you know, going to the first year of his new contract is going to be 37. And that's a pretty bad thing for any hitter uh, unless you're bonds. And even then, I mean, no one was going to give bonds a seven year contract or something. Uh, Zips zips think something more like, a shorter term contract, like a, like a extension for like two forty five or something. Uh, yep, but that sounds about like, right. Yeah. And I, I can see the Cardinals doing that. Uh, yeah. Just, I mean, I, yeah. I was thinking like two for 20 years, 20 million each or, you know, 20 yeah, to 25 they, million range. Yeah. 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 Same, well, I, same I, kind of, same kind of range pretty much. Yeah. And, you know, and I think in a vacuum, that's, Seem, seems exactly like what Paul Goldschmidt's worth. I think editorially, Ben and I kind of feel like, why are you extending Paul Goldschmidt when you've got Nolan Gorman and Jordan Walker, uh, you know, out there being butchers at positions they're not real comfortable at and, and would probably perform better there. But 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 I digress. Uh, but I I mean, I, I, I don't mind them trying Gorman as, as much as they can, uh, because when you when it comes down to it, He's probably not in the same horror league as Walker, right. is it? No, no, not. Although, <laughs> although in in fairness, no one is. So, <laughs> actually, I'm curious. Was there a worse defender last year, or a lower projection uh, for a, a an offensive player? Uh, for this uh, year, or, I mean, or, 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 yeah, or the upcoming season. Yeah, yeah. For yeah, I'm, I'm just curious how bad Jordan Walker's projection is compared to maybe the the worst defensive projection <laughs> that you've seen. Uh, I, I, there, there's some pretty bad ones from minor league catchers uh zips has uh mj melendez of the royals if right field full-time at negative 15 runs Oof. okay 
Uh, it has Justin Henry Malloy of, at third base, negative uh, 13. Kyle Schwarber in left, negative 12. Uh, some bad minor league catchers. I'm, now I'm just looking at the names that yeah. are, are in there. I don't, I don't think that anyone, many people listening would be interested, you know, Geraldo Quintero's uh, defensive projection. But there are ones that are projected to be worse. Uh, okay. So that's something I don't, and he's not even in the worst in the majors at the position. Uh, uh, Nick Castellanos is negative 8.3 compared to Walker at negative 7.9. Uh, and of course, Melendez. So, I mean, he, you get that shirt better defense than <laughs> Nick Castellanos. Uh, ben Humphrey would buy one of those. I know. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, um, I don't, Ben, do you, I, I'm, just about out of, I think, questions I kind of had lined up. Do you have uh, anything else? Um, you know, looking looking at, I, I think the that Zips had the Cardinals between 85 and 90 wins overall. And obviously there are still some uh, free agents out there to be had. Um, but where, you know, relative to the other teams, and I know you haven't released everyone, and I, I hate to put you in the spot, but like, the Zips see the Cardinals, and obviously 85 to 90 wins would put them in the wild card picture. But do the Zips see them, you know, being in the race for the division uh, in 2024? Uh, what, yeah, uh, Zips uh, is not big on the Brewers. Zips has the Brewers, you know, 80 to 85. Uh, the Cubs I haven't done yet, but they're also probably going to show up in the 80 to 85 range. Reds are about 500 in the projections. Uh, the Pirates, depending on uh, assumptions, Zips currently has a base of the current roster somewhere in the kind of the 74 to 78 win range. So they're like almost certainly, unless some really weird things happen in the next two months, uh, they're probably going to be projected as the best team in Zips in the NL Central. And it's, I mean, it's not that crazy simply because Steamer kind of thought the same thing. Uh, I know people are down on the Cardinals, but there's a natural inclination that that great that teams having great seasons are almost always overrated and teams having lousy seasons are almost always underrated. It just goes with the territory. Yeah. Well, I know I've well, often oh, go ahead, Ben. Oh, no, I was just going to say that's that's very interesting and, and very heartening because I was just kind of curious, you know, it when you're in a division, it's kind of graded on a curve. And I was wondering, you know, how the Cardinals moves position them uh, in the forecast compared to the other teams. So that, oh, oh, that, oh, that relative sense. to other teams, they've done pretty well. It's, it's been a very quiet NL central. So even if Zips is individually excited about Kyle Gibson or Lance Lynn, uh, the fact is that they're relatively durable they probably won't be horrible. And that's kind of an upgrade because the cupboard was a little empty feeling at the end of the season. Uh, so the Cardinals have probably done the most to help them. Uh, obviously, Gray on top of that is is pretty terrific. Uh, I mean, Zips likes uh, Shota and Managa a lot and thinks that his deal with the Cubs is a great value for them. But they're also kind of just replacing Marcus Stroman in a way. So that doesn't really make them that much better. I 
I think that the division is there's no team that if they won the NL Central, I'd be surprised. But I think the Cardinals have helped themselves the most. And I do think they're the mild favorite. But obviously, a lot of that is the just the realities of the NL of the of the of both central divisions. Yeah, well, I, I've often said the in years past that the Cardinals were scientifically designed in a lab to win 88 games. That was pretty much what they were going for every offseason. And last year really kind of broke that trend. But uh, so I was glad to see that 85 to 90, um, you know, uh, with the team where, you know, every position's like, you know, good. There's no, you know, no bad positions. Um, they got a, a pitching staff full of guys in their mid 30s. It really feels like a return to Cardinals baseball is what I'm saying. Uh, and I think I think one of the things about the Cardinals is they're essentially a conservative organization, uh, and that 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 tendency, which doesn't really help too much when everything is going off the rails and a disaster is happening. It's hard to you know just conservative your way through that. But I do think that it did keep them from doing anything panicky, like suddenly going through a big fire sale or whoever to the highest bidder. And I I think that characteristic will help them in having a bounce back season. Uh, I mean, it's not the most exciting team, but there's a pretty decent chance that they're good enough. Yep. And that, that should also be a t-shirt that they sell at Bush stadium right there. Um, because <laughs> that sums it up. Um, uh, ben, any anything else before we uh, wrap it up? No, uh, Dan. As always, thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, it's a lot of fun and very interesting uh, to talk to you about zips, especially uh, right after they come out for a forthcoming season. And we really appreciate you taking the time uh, to join us and and talk about the projections here on this episode. Well, well, thanks for having me. I always just love the opportunity to talk some baseball under any and all circumstances. All right. Thank you. And hey, thanks everyone, as always, for listening to Cardinals Off Day. Uh, We'll continue to drop some periodic episodes here through the off season. And then, of course, be back with you on the off days once the season starts. So thanks. Go Cardinals!